Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. ready to go. I'm here a couple minutes early, so I've been posting this everywhere, trying to get people to come and watch us live. Get in on the conversation. Look at this. I, I, Galatians, I read Galatians so much that this is where my Bible is, is splitting in Galatians. Um, and this is like the toughest Bible I've ever bought. I don't even know what it, it says. It's made out of leather, but there's no way. I mean, it's like bulletproof. It's, this thing is. It was a. It was. A, I think it was a. It's a gift Bible. But it was like a gift Bible for a school or something. Let's see. Yes, this is. It was given to Richard Murray in 1995. Wherever you are, Richard, I got your Bible, and uh, it's. Uh, for Duke University, for graduating from uh, Duke University, graduating from Duke University. So there you go, buddy. Oh my gosh, I even got my 404 phone number in here if lost. And Revolution NYC and my Brooklyn address. I should probably change that. Anyhow, um, also my Conan O'Brien quote. Nobody in life gets exactly what they want or what they thought they were going to get. Um, but Conan still went on to do awesome things. <sighs> Come closer. Hello, Chicago. All right, all right, all right, all right. Um, let's see, what are we going to do next? We are going to... Jump into Galatians. I've got some, got my monologue as usual. Um, <laughs> as we talked about last week, uh, that we would continue doing revolution. And here we are continuing to do revolution. And of course, like I got a thing from our financial person saying like, hey, we're not, I don't know if we're going to be able to make payroll this week. So, hey, if you can make a financial donation to revolution, at revolutionchurch.com, we would appreciate it. It would help. Anyway, that's side note, just because we weren't going to, you know, we're having some struggles. And that's why we were going to close down, but I'm going to try to keep this thing going. Um, so uh, this past week, um, did anybody see the, um, did anybody see the, uh, the John Stewart uh, interview, or it's a clip. I, I think you have to have Apple to see the show. Um, I listen to his podcast, but I don't have the. I don't think I have Apple TV, so I haven't seen the show. But I've seen the clip. Um, um, and he is. Uh, John Stewart is interviewing Senator Nathan Dom. I believe his name is from Oklahoma, and. You know, 
and basically he, he kind of sets him up in a way. He, he asks him, you know, like, why are you trying to, you know, protect, you know, what, what or he's like, you know, what's the point of, of are you hurting uh, drag queens, you know, not reading stories to children, you know, why are you doing this? And, you know, and the guy's like, well, to protect children. And then he goes, well, why are you against gun violence? And he's like, you know, the number, and he goes, I guess you're going to say the leading number one killer. He's like, no, I'm not even going to argue about it. It is the number one killer of children, more than cancer, more than this. And uh, he really confronts him hard on the idea that this guy is like, wants to, you know, ban drag queens and, and not guns or not have any, you know, type of uh, licensings on, on weapons and stuff. Um, it's a pretty powerful moment. And, and I honestly wish we had more people like Jon Stewart interviewing politicians or that we were talking to politicians more like Jon Stewart because um, it's, it's smart conversations, good conversation, and it points out hypocrisy. Um, the problem with is, is usually in the jobs like politicians or preachers or, or things like that, we become comfortable with hypocrisy. And I think what we should try to do is, is make people a little less comfortable living in hypocrisy hypocrisy um still loving our brothers and sisters but that's part of the hard conversation and i think when you see something like that it's it shows you what a hard conversation is like now i'm not here to 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 do that because uh talk about just that part is um what i think is interesting is how much uh, john stewart's being praised right now for this interview and it, it's good it's a good interview i mean it's a total like mic drop great great interview um, but just five months ago, around November 5th, um, he went on the Colbert show or the late night with Stephen Colbert. Um, and he got, um, the opposite reaction from a lot of people, or maybe he switched reactions. Cause I think, you know, I would say a lot of conservatives might not be happy with, with his recent thing, and a lot of liberals are just stoked and, you know, claiming him and, and you know, blah, 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 and, and kind of reclaiming him, and I'll show you why. It's because November 5th, five months ago, he got the opposite reaction when he said he believed that COVID was likely a lab leak from Wuhan. And people went nuts and said he's a white nationalist and he's, you know, anti-Asian and, you know, and all this stuff. This was like five months, this was five months ago, okay? And everybody turned on on John Stewart. Uh, a lot, not everybody, I didn't, I didn't. I, I was actually thought it was a, probably a, a good hypothesis on what happened. Um, but, you know, I'm open up to different ideas and different thoughts. Um, but people really turned on him and it was the opposite people, like um, more conservative people were like, yeah, John Stewart's telling them like it is. Like if you put in that thing, you'll see like conservative websites are like, yeah, John Stewart drops COVID facts, you know? And then I'm sure they're not happy about what he just did this past week on gun control and, um, and, uh, and gun control and uh, drag queens. Drag shows, whatever. Drag story hour. Um, but it's just wild to see how this flip-flop, how we just, one minute, you're an enemy. Like, that. That this is the type of thinking that I don't like. And this is the type of thinking that I think revolution is trying to help. And I think 
that Paul is confronting in the book of Galatians. So I believe there's something really here that has something to do with this all. Okay, folks, uh, this isn't me just going on a rant. Um, is this idea that we punish people so badly when they disagree with us and then we reward them so good when they agree with us. And the message is, is toe the line. That's the message. Toe the line and we'll be happy with you. No room for nuances. And I think we need to have room for nuances or as, as it's, or you could call it opinions. People have opinions and people have different opinions. So it's okay for, for, you know, I mean, you look at Joe, John Stewart and it's like, okay, John Stewart, you, you support trans, uh, trans, you support, um, sorry, you support drag queen lunches, or at least you think they're safer than guns. I think we can all agree on that. And you think, you know, that's killing children and that needs to stop. That's okay. And you also think that, you know, COVID came from a leak in a lab, you know, and that's okay. But we politicize everything so much that we make no room for these differences. And so, you know, five months ago, you're the villain and, and we just kind of ignore you and put you into obscurity. And then, uh, you know, six months later, you hit a home run and go, oh, maybe we were wrong. You know, yeah, you were wrong about him, but you're also right about him. It, it's called nuance. It's called different of opinions. People are different. And that's what Paul is talking about in, in Galatians is these, that we're all different, that we're this community that has to come together and we're going to have different ideas and different thoughts. You know, I'm sure there are people who are Judaizers going like, yeah, I don't think maybe they need to be circumcised. And I bet you there are people who are Gauls saying like, well, you know, maybe out of respect for the religion, you know, and, and I mean, they are Jewish. This is thousands of years of tradition. You know, I'm just saying like, there's nuance, there's different things, but we just make good guys and bad guys. And I put up a, a tweet. Of, it's, it's like these pins of, um, of the elephant and the donkey. And then I put up, I think it's from Exodus, where it says, you know, no, no, um, you make no graven images, no gods before me. And the reason I, I, I did that was because, um, not just to troll people, but because those are our gods now. You know what I mean? Like those are the, the, the political parties have become our gods and we've become, you know, we, we've sworn some weird oath to them, you know, and we, we, we have no room for nuance. You know, there's certain subjects I don't feel comfortable talking about and I may never be able to talk about because I'm afraid of people, because I'm afraid of what the people will do. Like we just don't have, we're not able to have these conversations and we've got to work to... So if you really want a safe space, how about we make a safe space for unsafe conversation? You know, a place where we can come and we can disagree well. That's the idea here at Revolution is like we can come together and we can disagree and disagree well. And um, we don't have to get angry and we don't have to take our toys and go home. Um, and we don't have to hurt the other person. We don't have to take them apart professionally or tear them apart financially. Or we don't have to go and gossip about them and talk about how horrible they are and how wonderful we are. Um, you know, because people, you're going to find areas, like you all would probably sit down and see that last interview with Jon Stewart and go like, oh man, oh, we agree with them, oh my God, it makes sense. Even those who don't agree with them would be like, ouch, you know, that hurt, that's some truth bomb, you know. But then if he sat down and started talking about COVID, you might be like, oh, hey there, red pillar, what's going on? Oh, oh, slow down. You know, it's like, 
it's okay for people to have opinions and nuances and, and that's you know often a sign of intelligent people because they're thinking through these issues and these ideas and so we've got to have room for that and that's what galatians is about um so so here we go um and so i wanted to kind of open with that because i thought it was important for galatians and and i just saw zoe said they had it uh, they had a, a a disagreement with someone a part of the community and it and it was nice to feel be able to disagree in a safe space um it's so weird because a lot of people who are calling for safe spaces do not allow you to argue with them because then they will say it's no longer safe and that you're somehow toxic. You know, but I think just as there's talk, people say toxic masculinity, um, there's also toxic conservatism and toxic liberalism and toxic all this shit, you know. Nobody gets a corner of being the righteous group of people. We may want to, but... You know, we start making our own rules. It gets a little weird. All right, well, good morning. Can you tell I'm, 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 I'm caffeinated? I hit the snooze alarm this morning for literally an hour. I swear I was so finally cozy. It's like your mind knows when you need to do something and need to work on something. <laughs> It's like, oh, let me test you and see how much you really want to do this by making you cozy, like you're sleeping on a cloud. Um, so we're in Galatians 6. It's the final countdown. Um, maybe it'd be more appropriate if I, I did. It's the final. Oh, sorry, no. Um, <laughs> Galatians 6, we're at the end. Sad times. I don't like the end. Sometimes I even do a best of after six. Go back through it. Remind everybody. Kind of hit the... I don't think I'm going to do that. I think we're going to start on... Uh, we're going to do Paul Tillich's You Are Accepted next week. I'm going to try to put up a connection. Like, a, like I mean, I'm going to put up a at different on different social media things. I'm going to try to put a link to that Paul Tillich talk, sermon, which is all just... It's, it's written out. He never It's never recorded. And we're going to take it apart. And so it's not going to be like a literal version of it. But you can read it, highlight it, underline it, ask questions about it. And that's what we're going to do is we're going to promote it. And then we're going to put up little things, like little links to that. Um, Galatians 6. Now, this is a lot. Like, I sometimes I think Galatians 6 isn't a lot. And then other times I think it is a lot. And... So, you know, one of the things we've got to remember is who's Paul, who, who is the audience that Paul's speaking to? What is Paul trying to communicate to this community as far as like, hey, you guys need to work together even though you have completely different ideas of religion and faith and, and all that kind of stuff. So how, how, do we, how do we work together being so different? Imagine if we were all that different now. Um, and he just... You know, t Paul, Paul, the apostle, just got done, you know, saying, talking about the fruits of the Spirit and what the opposites of the fruits of the Spirit are, what the fruits of the Spirit are, and also begging us um, in 15, if, however, you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. So begging us not to fight 
and devour and be consumed by one another um, was another thing. So we're going to just jump straight into six. And it says, uh, my friends, if anyone is detected in transgression, you who have received the spirit should restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Take care that you yourself are not tempted. Boom. Now, I want to say why this is important and what's important about this is um, restoration is extremely important. I remember as a kid thinking uh, when my parents went through their scandal that the Calvary was going to show up, that eventually someone was going to come and help us and, and, and bring us back, and, like get the family's wounds and restore us and we'd go back to our life something close to that and um it never happened it, what happened was it was just like media and religious people just continued to pound my parents to dust which me and my sister were were friendly fire i guess um and so just i mean it wasn't just like a beating it was they turn these people into dust. Use them as the best example. I mean, it was scapegoating in so many ways. I mean, there's a reason we're doing a documentary that's going to be end up being four parts be, or three or four parts because this was a heavy thing, man. Um, so anyway, the idea is, is remember the audience and who he's speaking to. This is very important in Galatians. Oh, also, I, I got some good news. So we might go through Galatians again sooner than later. What, Jay? <laughs> but uh, I got a hold of one of my um, one of my favorite. Oh God, were they? What would you say? What would you call them? Um, scholars. One of my favorite biblical scholars, and he recommended some new books on Galatians for me. And uh, I had one of them, but two of them I didn't have, and I'm going to start reading those. And if they get really exciting and we find a lot of new stuff, we might just jump in early. Who knows? I'm crazy like that. If I was like Andy Kaufman type person, I would just we would just start at Galatians 1 next week again because the point is, is we need to get it, and we need to get it well. But I think um, Paul Tillich will be a nice break. So when he's talking about transgressions, the transgressions he's saying is, is when you've been offended or when someone else has offended you by maybe their life, by what they're doing, maybe by their religion, by maybe their tradition, or maybe they've hurt the community, what he's saying is, is you should receive them, you should restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. And I love that. It's not restoration in a hard love or restoration like, you know, like a lot of churches, we're going to, you know, we'll... We'll put them through restoration. Or I remember that one pastor uh, who was really anti-gay and then came out gay and or that he had had a relationship where he was same-sex relationship. And and then the, the town made him, told him that he could get his severance pay, but he had to leave town. Like he had to leave the city, he had to leave the state. You know, and I'm like, what is this? Is it a Western? What is this, like some, like, you know, science fiction movie? Um... This town isn't big enough for all of us. So, if you want severance pay, just sign here, and you have to leave the town. And you know, it, it's weird. The church, uh, when growing up, I always heard the church is the only army that killed its wounded. You know, and I still believe that in a lot, a lot of ways. That that's what we still do, unfortunately. But now I feel like 
um, people outside of the church, the secular community, the, the general world <laughs> has said, hey, that's not such a bad idea. We're going to try that now. And now that's what people outside of the church do is like, hey, we cancel. You guys destroy these people. We could cancel them. Boom. We're, oh, what a great idea. You know, no forgiveness, no grace. I like that. Um, and that's what I mean by kill its wounded is that when we have no place for grace, no place for restoration. And so Paul is saying restore, but not just restore, but do it in a humble, gentle way. But also be careful not to fall into the same thing. And I think what he's saying here is he's saying, this is what's happened to this community. You know, they, they fell because a group of people came in and said, no, this is how we think Christianity and Judaism should be handled. And, and, and people fell into that. And I think what he's saying is if you guys fall back into these same habits, help each other not to. And be gentle with each other when you help to not do this, okay? But also be careful that you don't just sit down and then you both fall into the same thing of this judgmental attitude, of this, this, this way of thinking. That's where I'm going because I'm just trying to keep it within the context of the letter. Because um, this letter would have probably been read, read in one sit-down, you know, to the community. Um... Take care of yourselves that you are not tempted. Two says, bear one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. For those who are nothing think they are something. They deceive themselves. And, and what he's saying is, is like, to a lot of these people, like the, the Judaizers are thinking that they were special somehow. And he's saying like, no, you got to help these people. You know, you're not, you don't need to tell them what they have to do. You need to help them lift their burdens. You don't need to give them burdens and say, here are your burdens. You need to find commonality. You need to find these burdens and, and, and lift them together. You need to lift your hard hearts. You need to suffer together. You need to help each other. You need to be there. You need to be a community that cares for another, that's gentle with one another. Um, that allows people to go through this. But what's interesting is if you follow this, because Paul's going to say something that sounds exactly the opposite, literally in the next sentence, which is very interesting. Yes. Those of you who are nothing of Christ, for those of you who are nothing, think they are something, they deceive themselves. So basically, when we think we're special or we think we're the ones that really have it or we're on the most, you know, whatever, we're fooling ourselves. And then it says, all must test their own works then that work rather than their neighbor's work. So that will become a cause for pride for all must carry their own loads. Now, listen to this. What he's saying is, is share each other's burdens, but at the same time, don't give your burden to somebody else. Don't put your, your, um, your, your own struggles, your own convictions onto other people is what I feel like Paul's saying here. And rather than that, neighbor, you know, so so it's not about being prideful for what your neighbor does. Like a lot of pastors fall into that. And a lot of Christian schools, I remember as a kid, they said I wasn't first academy material. This was a Christian school I went to after I left. And they said that to a friend. Well, he just wasn't first academy material, you know. And that's them saying like, well, we put our pride in the work of our students. And... Paul here is saying, no, 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 no. You put your, you put your, you do your best. 
you let them do their best. You know, it's not like pastors will often be like, think like, oh, if members of my community are out seen drinking and boozing and having a good time, it's going to look bad on me, you know, whatever. And, and that type of thing. And, and Paul's saying, don't do that. You know, focus on yourself, focus on your own works. It, it, it's not love the sinner, hate the sin. It's just focus on your own shit, okay? Just focus on that. Love these people and focus on your own burdens. And hopefully, someone will have read the sentence before that that said, share one another burden. They'll come up and share your burden with you and help you carry that. I mean, this is we are really called to be this really cool community of people who care about each other, disagree well, almost in some ways live and let live, you know, which is wild. In some ways, live and let live, you know, with this idea of saying like, well, you know, and if it becomes a burden, we'll sit down and we'll talk about it and we'll have this conversation. Now, I know a lot of people would disagree with me on that live and let live thing. But I, I, the reason I, I think that is because he's showing us the fruits of the Spirit. He's showing us the things that are the opposite of that. He's trying to say, be responsible for your own things, for your own issues, but help others with their issues. I mean, this is really kind of a way of saying, like, this is how we live in community. Rather it be an online community. And, you know, I... It's so funny as now I've decided to just keep revolution going, even if it's just online for the rest of our lives, is the weird thing is, is that most of the grief that I catch is online. Most of the struggles I have is online. Where I could help carrying my burden, and people like Zoe who do help me carry my burden, some of you other folks do that online, you know, or on the phone or through text messages or through social media. So the world is different. And... Even if we like, there is a bit of community there if we're able to do this. And I hope is that we don't, we're never a community of this group. Revolution is not meant to be a community. Revolution always wants to be a part of a community. I want to be, you know, I want to see revolution be the place that's like always, you know, like, you know, like a community will have a barber shop and a coffee shop and a bar and a church and a gay bar and, and <laughs> the, sheriff's office and then oh there's revolution over there you know we're part of the community we never are the community you know um i think once you become the community it's almost that's like a cult you know like oh, everything here um so rather than will become cause for their party for all must carry their own loads those who are taught or those who are taught the word must share in all good things with their teachers. Now, I guess this would be my fundraising verse of the day. If I have one, I don't have one every week, but, um, or day, but I guess this would be Paul saying from the past, uh, from 2000 years ago, um, Hey, don't forget to help your teachers. Um, so six says those who are taught the word, must share in all good things with their teacher. And so support people who are helping you. Support people who are encouraging you to live a better life. That might be through retweeting, through sharing messages, or just being kind, having a listening ear, or even a non, a non or a tax-deductible donation, you know, whatever. And I say that because this is just the nature of the beast, folks, you know, um, it's just like any other podcast that you would go and support people on, you know. We don't have commercials. We could maybe start getting some. <laughs> It'd be really bizarre to find out what kind of commercials Revolution would run. 
Um, well, let's try to get through this so we don't spend it here all day. Um, but six, we read six. So six is, is, is for kind of how your community, helping your community continue to be a community or, or, or be part of a community. And we're much now, much of a bigger part of communities because we folks, we're talking to folks in London, we're talking to folks in you know Colorado, we're talking to folks in New York, Long Island, and uh, Texas and Chicago and everywhere. I, I don't know, I, I can't name it all. Um, seven, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For you reap whatever you sow. If you sow to your own flesh, you will reap corruption from the flesh. But if you sow to the Spirit, you will reap eternal life from the Spirit. Now, why I want to, I think this is important, and I used to always really read over this one really fast because it's so like spiritual and so like, oh, reaping and sowing. And yeah, but it says, um, and do not be deceived, God is not mocked. But let's talk about this, is, is what he's saying is when Paul's talking about this God is not mocked, you have to remember that most people are reading this book in one setting. And you also, again, have to consider the audience and what Paul has communicated to the audience. So he's already pointed out like, hey, you know, Peter wouldn't sit with Gentiles and then got Barnabas not to sit with Gentiles and, and, and grew division in this community that I was with. Then I had to publicly rebuke him. And guess what? We never find out if the rebuke worked or not. You know, so what he's saying is, is is very clear if you if you follow along, like he's saying these people who've come along and, and want you to be circumcised, I wish they would, would, would castrate themselves. So when he's saying don't receive God is not mocked, he's saying God is not mocked by legalism and by other things as well, I'm sure, too, like, you know, uh, all the you know, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissension, factions. Uh, envy, drunkenness, and carousing, all the things that they talked about, we talked about last week as well. Um, but half those are in there are the split in these visions. So when he's saying God is not mocked, he's saying these are the things that mock God. If you think of mocking someone and making fun of them, you would mock their rule or their authority, you know, and go, oh, you know, and by, and then using that authority to control other people, which the church has, has really become really good at and it's so crazy that we were we did that and it became such a kind of a toxic crazy place i don't really like that word toxic because i feel like it's used by one group and not the other because i like something that's a little more inclusive so it became a really shitty place and um and then the then people outside of the church have now taken on that mostly my progressive brothers and sisters because my conservative brothers and sisters kind of already had that you know that churchy thing in them, but mostly my progressive brothers and sisters think, hey, let's fight fire with fire, when it's just really fighting shit with shit, and at the end of the time, you've got just people covered in feces. That's it. I mean, everybody's just gross. You know, every, nobody's better for it when we, when we treat each other these particular ways. And I think that's when we realize, like, we're sowing. We're sowing discord, and so more discord happens. I've, I've watched Facebook groups where people have, like, become like, oh, we're against these people and these big groups against these certain types of Christians. And as soon as those, they run out of people to attack, they start to attack themselves and they start to bite and devour themselves. And I'm talking about very progressive thinking people. And then the next thing you know, well, you're not this and you're not enough. And it's just this infighting happens. And I think that's what you start to reap. 
Because what comes out is like, well, I'm doing, I'm attacking this person because they deserve to be attacked. It's like attacking Mark Driscoll. Like there's a lot of stuff he needs to probably be corrected on, right? So we'll just, we'll attack him. Then we'll do this. But then eventually you run out of those people. And the problem is, is there's no restoration in, in, in being the judge or being the self-righteous, you know, like I'm going to sit up here and judge or I'm going to come up here and talk about how uncool these people are, you know, and we're going to make them look like idiots and thank God we're not idiots like them. Am I right? You know, but there's no restoration involved for those folks. Instead, we just mock them and we make fun of them and we say how deceived they are. And then we make fun of people who follow them and say how deceived they are. So there's no peace made. There's no restoration. There's no gentleness there. So this is a problem I have a lot with seeing a lot of online people who are like, oh, well, we used to be Christians, but now they're all fucking assholes. Or we are Christians, but we think these Christians are bad. And then, oh, no, these... You know, then they'll say, oh, no, you guys uh, who are deconstructing, you're the bad ones. No, you're the, you know, and it's like, you guys, this doesn't reap. Nothing grows from this. This is just dead ground. You know, it's just destructive. It's, it's worse than dead ground. It's poison's ground. And the ground is poison and it's killing these, these killing the lives of both sides. Yeah, I might agree a little bit more with the deconstruction side. But if the deconstruction side isn't thinking about restoration and love and forgiveness, then they might be deconstructing the wrong things. You know, they may be forgotten about the love and the forgiveness and grace. The other side did. A lot of times what people are rejecting is just the other side. But the problem is they keep the principles and they throw out the ideas, but they keep the legalism, they keep the zeal, they keep the exclusiveness, but they just have different rules and regulations now that fit their life better. So it's just kind of this switch. And what we want to do is say, no, there's a third way we're not going to do this. We're not going to make fun of these people. And we're not going to make fun of these people. We'll have a joke every now and then because, heck, we're human beings, right? But we want to see, like, how can this become community? How can this change? You know, even if the community is saying, how does this become a community? People say, well, I don't believe this anymore. Okay, well, you're still, we're still, we still want to be friends, you know, or I'm going to go believe this way. I think about this and I, I don't, you know, and I think that, you know, People shouldn't be this way and shouldn't do that. And I go, well, I don't agree with you, but I'd still rather be your friend so we could talk about this. You know, so those are things to think about. Um, it says, so let us not grow weary of doing what is right, for we'll reap the harvest in time. Do not give up. So whenever you have the opportunity, let us work for the good of all. Let us work for the good of all, especially those of the family of faith. And like, it's not the family of faith of the denomination. I put up this comedian the other day and he was like talking about, he's like, you know, every other religion, like you've got Jews are Jews, you know, Muslims are Muslims, Sikhs are Sikhs, you know, is it in Christianity? Like you've got like the Christianity, 31, and he said 31 flavors of Jesus. I wish I could remember the comedian's name. I'll post up the thing again if I get it, if I find it. Um, 31 flavors of Jesus. He's like, you know, and he's like, and then you hear the differences and people will be so serious about it. And then he said, about how Jesus carried his cross. But he's like, you know, you've got Baptist and Southern Baptist. And he's talking about all the different denominations, you know. And so, and then we think, well, people in our own faith. So we've got to love people in our own faith, you know. And then we think it's not our own faith. We think it's our own denomination. Well, I don't have to love Driscoll's or I don't have to love... I can't keep up with, I, Driscoll is such an outdated <laughs> reference. I cannot keep up with, I don't watch Christian anything, um, if that helps. 
Um, but we have to love each other. Um, I have to love my, my progressive friends who I think are being legalistic sometimes just with their own progressive stuff. Here, that's a good example. I'll use them today because conservatives I've, I've given a hard enough time over the years. Um, you know, and, and it's funny because it become, I, I, I often become seen as hostile and I have to be like, I'm not trying to be hostile. I'm just trying to help here. Um, but that's not always how it's taken. But, so, but it says, let, you know, whenever we have the opportunity, let us work for the good of all, especially for those in the family of faith. But I want to read this. So, so let us not grow weary of doing what is right. Now, as a kid, I would have thought like this meant abstaining from everything fun. Um, so for me, what I was thinking was, is on this was, sorry, I'm just trying to make sure the numbers line up with my notes. Um, it's the high road. Never becoming tired of taking the high road, of loving your enemies, of nonviolence. These are the things that I need a reminder for, not to become jaded by others and by the majority of the community of, of people in, 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 in this, in, in, who follow Christianity different than me. And the majority are very different than me. Um, and not grow weary of that. And not attack someone because they think differently than me. Um, or not lose my shit, you know? And it's weird because it's, it, it's like, you know, so to do that, you have to show grace and mercy, and it's still tough. And showing grace and mercy to those who will cancel you if you do speak out. So for me, it, it, it's, um, we once again have to remember the audience who he's talking about. And what he's trying to say is, you know, don't get weary of, of making room for each other. Is what Paul is saying here. Don't get tired of making room, Jews, Judy, Judaizers and, and Gauls. You know, don't get tired of being doing the right thing, of maybe holding your tongue or sharing a meal and enjoying different customs and seeing different things. I mean, you, 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 these, this, this, you know, these feel like two different faiths. And he's like, you guys are one in Christ, but man, you guys have like two different ideas of what Christ is. And you should really share in that and not get weary of sharing in that and continue your patience and stuff. And patience, you know, and loving other people can get weary after a while, especially when it doesn't feel like it's a two-way street. Um, but when we love the one-way street, sometimes that turns that one-way street into a two-way street. It really does. Um, that's what Dr. King said. That's what Jesus said. That's what Gandhi said. Even Malcolm X later in his day years said, talked about that kind of thing. So um, definitely my brother Cornel West has said that. You know, um, a lot of people, that's when they think, oh, Jesus was a cool guy because of that. So is there room for that? And room for us to remind ourselves not to grow weary of loving others. Um, because I, I, I grow weary all the time. I mean, people are like, why do you, you know, why are you so reclusive? Why do you keep to yourself? Because I've been through a lot of hell, man. I've, I've been through a lot of stuff and that's the personality that's built around some of my life and my trauma and it's just the personality I, maybe I was born with as well. But, um, but I'm still trying to be me and I, and, and offer what I can to society. And I think if we can be who we are, because no one else is going to be us, um, no one else can be us. So uh, hopefully we don't grow weary of, of being who we are.
and helping others. I'm slowly sinking down, so I should price it up. Um, and I think that's vitally important to think about. Um, and so also when it talks about doing well for the good of all, you know, I mean, think about that. Like it says, yes, especially brothers and sisters. So we look at that. And to me, that's harder work than doing a good for all, you know. Hey, man, I got to be me too. It's not easy, right? Um, I just finished reading my mom's book, I Got to Be Me. And goodness gracious, I realized, like, she was such a firecracker. You know, now I kind of realize, like, that's why I'm such a firecracker. That's why I say shit that doesn't always go down well or maybe is too inclusive. Because I want, like, both legalistic sides to come together and love each other. <laughs> See what I said? Both legal it used to just be legalism on one side. <laughs> I still believe legalism destroys things. Um... The good of all, especially us, so, uh, but, but the good of all, I mean, when you think about that, the good of all is the Republican and the Democrat, uh, you know, all these different people. But it's also being willing to sit down and talk to people who are racist and, and hopefully see them change and, you know, show them, uh, help them to learn how to change. And it might be speaking truth to them, like John Stewart spoke truth to spoke his spoke truth to the Senator Nathan Dom in Oklahoma or how he spoke to Colbert him and Colbert had the conversation five months ago you know about the leak you know one agreed one disagreed and they still had a conversation it didn't in the world but all of us you know sat aside and decided to figure out oh well, I'll just say who who <laughs> We'll just all decide what John Stewart believes and what Stephen Colbert believes based on this one conversation. Like, have the world not become like '80s evangelicals? I'm just saying, like, it's just insane, right? Um, or just Christians in general? Like, we we need a new denomination. <laughs> um, and so when when he says, "Let us all work together, good of all," because I bet you there are people outside of the religious beliefs in in Galatians. So he goes, we work together for the service of all and everybody even outside of the Galatians or the Gauls, the, this area, you know, let us work the good for, and especially work for those of the family of faith. So we just got continue to work to help each other. The good, the good of all. I can't say that enough. You know, I grew up thinking the good was always save everybody from hell. I think now being the good from hell is keeping everybody from going through hell and that we don't put people through hell. Because it seems like that's what we're doing to each other. You know? No room for the other's suffering. You know, we think suffering is like a pie chart. It's not. You know? It's like I saw once said that unity's not pie or equality's not pie. You know, well, suffering's not pie either. You know, it's, it's not everybody gets a certain amount. All right, let's finish this and go home. Um, <laughs> most of us are home, but let's finish this and go watch uh, the, the, what is the story? The, the Pascal, is the Pedro Pascal show still on? The rest of us? Is that what it's called? The last of us? Okay, 11. See what large letters I make when I am writing in my own hand. So here, Paul is writing in his own hand. I mean, this, the whole time Paul's been dictating this. Could you imagine being the dictator with the book of Galatians, and Paul's, and he probably was like, no, 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 stop, come back, you know, um, he must have been a madman, but here he is writing in his own handwriting, I like using big letters, because 
the Apostle Paul must be dyslexic just like I am. No, I'm just kidding. That's what all dyslexics do. We always just try to find the smartest dyslexics to say, look, look. <laughs> um, see what large letters I make when I'm writing my own hand. It is those who want to make good showing in the flesh that try to compel you to be circumcised. Only that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. I mean, so much is in that one sentence right there. You know, he's saying those people who are trying, who are who are trying to make you circumcised don't want to be, don't want to deal with with grace, the message of grace alone. You know, and sometimes that's what we're doing when we're virtue signaling, is we're trying to virtue signal and look a certain way so we don't get condemned from our our tribe or other tribes, you know, or the bigger bigger oversharing tribe. So we. We try to, you know, maybe if we become a little more legalistic about this, you know, it's weird. Like I'm anti-war and I put up a peace thing about something the other day and, and, and this guy deleted it and it was a total like progressive site, you know, like I was like, what? Can't, we can't use peace symbols anymore. You know, I'm just, this is freaking weird. Like we can't, I mean, I'm just, you're, this guy's social media is a power to him to be able to do whatever he wants. But I'm just saying like I DM'd and said, can we have a longer conversation? And they decided not to. Um, but he's saying, you know, may not be persecuted the cross of Christ. He's showing the reason why the, these people came into your city, why these teachers came in to say, you got to do it this way. You got to think that way. You know, peer pressure from the majority. I mean, that's, I think that's what political correctness often is, is like peer pressure. And now we've got two peer pressures of, of political correctness. The two parties have their own PC-ness now. Their own PC-ness? Um... Even the circumcised do not themselves obey the law, but they want you to be circumcised so that they may boast about your flesh. Once again, often what communities do and often what pastors do. I fell into that trap years ago, and thank God I got out of it. May I never boast of anything. Now, this is the, really, the, this is pretty cool because this is really weighted. I tried to live in, in, in my work is... You know, people would, I remember seeing, and I don't know if this will make sense to you, but when I remember seeing people on the train in New York and they'd be like, oh, Jay, oh, sorry, I haven't been to revolution in a while. I'd be like, don't worry about coming to revolution. I'm like, I, I don't want anybody there to come every week anyway. And I'm like, you're the type of person we want to be at revolution because you don't want to be there half the time. And that's great. That's fine. You don't never need to feel guilty. Guilt needs to be taken out of this equation. And so here he says, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And for me, that kind of idea came from, I mean, like, it's not about me. It's not about numbers. It's not about the, what, how many people are here or how long this goes or you know, whatever. Those are all great, you know, because that helps. It helps keep it going. It helps me pay my bills. helps me be able to study during the week and work on these talks and take care of my kids 50% of the time, which I'm not getting much done when I'm doing that. So I'm like 50% of a a person. <laughs> but man, that other 50 cents, I've had such a great time with my kids lately. I love them so much. It's insane. Um, but anyway, may I, I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, which has got to be weird for some of you because you're like, I'm not really a Christian, Jay. And that's cool. I get it. I understand. Um, I would say I'm not really what you would consider confessional Christian, like a traditional confessional Christian. You know, like it's Christianity is a little different to me as well. Um, but I want to boast about Jesus and I want to boast about Paul. Like now Paul, I'm like, Paul, you're dead and you did a good job communicating gospel. So I'm going to 
brag a little bit about you too, but I'm also going to disagree with you. Is that okay? Oh, of course it is, because you already said it was okay, but I would have done it anyway. Um, by which the world has been crucified. Okay, so may I never boast anything except the cross of our Lord Christ. By which the world has been crucified to me. So he's saying the world is, you know, you know, gone. The world has died to me, but, and I to the world. Like, I'm, like, I'm not much interest to anybody. And I feel that way. So I, and now I finally understand, I think, what Paul's saying in this, to be honest with you, over the years, is that I never thought, like, I would be in this place where I was, like, trying to get my conservative brothers and sisters to think differently over here, and now my progressive brothers and sisters to think differently over here. And, like, and you go, like, oh, do I have a place in the world? Because I'm, I'm not a moderate either. Like, I'm not really a moderate. So it's like trying to find people who think like me. Um, I have a few folks. You know who you are. And, and I think we're growing. But it's like, so you go, like, oh, maybe I don't have a place in the world. And then you read something like this, and Paul's saying exactly because it's, it's your job as a leader, your job as a speaker to come in and help people think differently and maybe not be on the same line where they're at. I don't think I'm ever at the right place where everybody else is at. And that's not because I'm so progressive and I'm so amazing and so genius. It's literally because this is how I'm built and how I think and because I do spend time on my own and because I do watch people compulsively and think about things compulsively. So it's not has anything to do with holiness as much as it does just my brain's wired with dyslexia and in, in, in depression and, and it's not easy it's just it hurts it's not it's not fun it's nothing to brag about the only thing I can brag about is grace grace is amazing and grace is for all of us and that's the thing that kind of gets me going um we world has been crucified I missed the last part of that it's something about living up to the cross well the thing the great thing about the cross is is the cross is also remember is God's humiliation it's also the idea of Jesus feeling abandoned. It's the moment of, of, of abandonment, you know, like this, this horrible, horrific moment and that we want to turn it into like, this victory, like Carmen or something, you know, like, he has risen. But on the cross, he's not risen. He's bloody, he's dead, he's failed. They're, they're, they're like, all any point at that point where anybody was like, I want to be a Christian theologian about this guy, Jesus. And he's looking up at the cross going like, Wow, I'm going to have to learn to do acrobats, be an acrobat in order to Frank can explain this. This is, this is humiliation. Well, God's been humiliated if this is guy has claimed who he is. You know? So there you go. Um, for neither circumcision nor uncircumcision is anything... But be a new creation is everything. Whatever that might be to you, a new creation is everything. As for those who will follow the rule, peace, as for those who will follow the rule, peace be upon them. The rule, I don't know what, the, what, what are we talking about. For as those who will follow, I guess the golden rule. Um, for those who will follow the rule, peace be upon them and mercy and, and mercy. And upon Israel, O God, from now on, now listen to this, what Paul says here. I, I would love to be able to just one day, this is when, when I'm going to retire, this is what I'm going to say, when I can retire. Maybe this will be on my gravestone. <laughs> this should be on my gravestone. Um, from now on, let no one make trouble for me. <clears throat> for I carry on the marks of Jesus' brand on my body. 
May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brother and sisters. Amen. So our last moment with Paul is grace. May you all have grace to carry with you through all this. And, that, and he goes, don't trouble me with this. And why is he saying don't trouble me with this? Is because he's really hoping that this letter has been taken to heart. And I'm sitting here hoping through my teachings and, and emphasizing this letter that we've all taken it to heart and that we try to make this thing happen and that we look at the own hypocrisies of our own lives because we all have them. We all have contradictions. It's just part of life. And some of those contradictions we have to hold on to and celebrate because something greater come out of those. And other contradictions we need to, you know, we can remove and we can face and we can deal with. I'll probably talk more about contradictions after we do the, um, after, after we do uh, the Paul Tillich talk on You Are Accepted, which we'll be putting up links to get to that talk. And we'll be ta I'll promote it this week on social media. So don't forget, next week we're going to be talking about Paul Tillich, You Are Accepted. Um, so yeah, but grace, that's, and that's what it's all about. And it's about this grace. And I, and I think he's, Paul's hoping that we, we, we find the grace and, and the grace to do this all and realize that this, this is something that's bigger than all of us. And that when we love this, when we love even bigger than our community, I think that's the problem with churches when they become communities is it becomes, well, we're this community and they're that community. No, we are a part of the world's community. We are human. And, um, and we need to be loved. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so uh, you thought I was finishing and so did I. But that's this, this idea of grace, is that we have the grace to do this because we're going to need grace to do this because we're going to screw it up too. We're going to make mistakes as well. Boom. There you go, everybody. Have a great week. Um, we'll see you next week. Check out the um, Paul Tillich you are accepted. You can Google that. Paul Tillich, you are accepted. And um, also, uh, once again, I'll say, like, we really do need your help. Revolutionchurch.com. If you can help support us financially, that will keep us going. That keeps me going. Right now, it's just a staff of one. Josh has volunteered for me forever. Um, I would really like to continue. I'm, we are going to continue doing this, but I really would like to be able to... Um, uh, get paid and also pay the bills of, of the people who do our finances for us and our taxes for us and for all the other stuff that we have to do um, to keep going and, and myself to be able to pay my bills and raise my children and still uh, allow my job that I've been doing for almost 30 years now to, uh, to exist. And you all make that exist. You all make that happen if you find this to be something important in your life. And if you do, I appreciate it. And if you don't, that's okay too. Um, and if you don't have finances, you know, just sharing this stuff on social media could help. I don't know why no one shares anything on Twitter anymore, but I guess on Instagram and Facebook. And, and if you're really cool, you'll share it on Twitter and you'll win a special award when you get to heaven and a t-shirt that says, I support revolution on Twitter. All right. Love you all. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website. 